Hey, I'm Thad. Welcome to Open Life. And uh, I am pumped today for the opportunity to jump into an additional talk in our Brave series. So I want to catch up anybody who's yet to be here. Every talk stand alone here at Open Life, but we do love to connect them together so that there's repetition a little bit so that we can really grab a hold of the principle and scripture that we're trying to, to teach. But we've been looking at the life of Peter. We didn't start planning for the series to look at the life of Peter, but we landed there because we realized he really is a character in scripture that expresses the transformation that is possible when we choose Jesus as our Savior, gives us the insight and capacity to be like more brave in life, more brave in faith. And I'm excited today as we jump into a talk called Brave to Share, which is really attached strongly to last week. First week we talked about Brave to Follow. Um, Peter did the craziest thing. Jesus was coming to the disciples in a boat. He was walking on water and Peter's like, if it's you, Lord, call me out and I will walk to you. And Jesus said, okay, come. And right then, Peter must have gone, why didn't I say, you know, and, and Matthew will walk to you. <laughs> but Peter jumped out of the boat, walked on water a little bit, and then sank. So just the courage that he had to walk on water, to follow Jesus' command, yes, come. Uh, we talked the next week about being brave to fail. And uh, although Peter failed to walk all the way to Jesus, he sank. And the first week, we talked about just the reality that Peter is one of the disciples that denied Jesus when he was taken and crucified and turned his back on Jesus. And yet Jesus still came to him and showed love and grace and mercy to him. And we need to be brave to fail and get back up and not just make our failures a monument. Then last week we talked about being brave to act which would be action for Jesus, action inspired by God. Peter and John uh, had been filled with the Holy Spirit with all the disciples in Acts 2 and Acts 3 kicks in, and they're going to just another day. They're going through a normal day in their life, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They're going to go to a place and pray. And when they're entering the place to pray, there's a gentleman there that was asking for money, which he had done for 40 years. And they're just something within them. They heard that, that urge of the Holy Spirit, if you will, and they looked down and they asked him uh, what he wanted, and he had said money, and they said, well, silver or gold we don't have, but here's what we do have. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Grabbed his hand, and the dude stands up and walks. He had never walked. Forty years, imagine. And his legs were strong. He not only walked, he started jumping and leaping and praising God. And that's where the story last week ended, but we're going to jump back into what happened when they actually entered the temple, and it didn't go too well for Peter and John. They got prosecuted a little bit. We're going to look at what that is. But first, the same as last week, we want to look at a passage that Jesus kind of urged the disciples, he challenged the disciples with while, right before he was crucified. John 15, 26 and 27 says this, I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you've been with me from the beginning of my ministry. What is that? So who's this advocate? 
the Holy Spirit. Jesus challenged these guys, man, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. You're going to be filled with the strength and the power to share your faith. And so here Jesus is encouraging before he was crucified, and then he shared that in Acts 1, which we looked at last week, after he raised up from the dead. And we've got this challenge now, this advocate, the Holy Spirit that is with us, that is in us. And we have the challenge to obey that, to listen. And it says, you must also testify about me. Our big idea today is Jesus is meant to be shared. Jesus is meant to be shared. You know, we've mystified. We've made this sharing Jesus thing. I say we, I'll just classify, I'll wrap us all in. The church has, has inadvertently probably made sharing Jesus this weird mystical experience, right? I'm guilty of it. So youth pastor for 13 years before we started Open Life. And we would bring camp speakers in. Now these camp speakers would travel the world sharing the gospel. We had some, I have some great friends that are evangelists. That's like their call is to not be in one place. They travel from country to country sharing Jesus. And they have stories, right? Like this is what they do full time. They, they sacrifice everything over 300 days a year. Most of these guys are traveling from church to church, from camp to camp, from meeting to meeting out in open air in different parts of the world. And, and, and it's crazy, the stories. And so they would come in. One of my friends, Jamie Montera, he, he would come in and speak. And he always had the airport stories. You know, they would go something like this. Like I was walking up to check in at the airport and, and, uh, and he'll just name some random country or place you've never heard of before. You know, and he's like in Africa, you know, and he's like, and I was checking in and, and I saw that the gal had a broken arm. And so I'm checking in and she sees that my name is, is Jamie and, and she sees that it starts with a J, which makes her think of Jesus. And she looks at me and says, do you know Jesus? How must I be saved? And, you know, you tell this story, and you're like, seriously? It was that easy? Like, that's what happened? You know? And then, and then I would look at her, and i go, not only can you be saved in the name of Jesus, but he can heal your arm. She fell to her knees behind the counter, accepted Jesus as her Lord, and her arm was healed instantly. And you're just like, what? And then he'll say, and everybody else in line behind me was like, I must have this Jesus too. They fall on their faces and begin to weep to God. Blind eyes are open. The lame, there was a person in a coffin that jumps up and leaps and praises God. You know, and you're hearing the story and you're like, and they run out from there and the whole country is saved. And today there's a statue of Jesus in the center of that city. You're like, and then he wraps it up with this. You know, he tells this amazing story, which goes on for like 25 minutes, right? And then he's like, he's like, and for you students, you go to your school this week and you share Jesus. And I was sitting there as the youth pastor going, man, I don't know if I can do that this week. Like, you kidding me? I'm just going to walk up to somebody with a broken arm. They're going to ask me about Jesus. I'm going to heal them. Everybody's going to fall on their face, cry out to Jesus. The whole world will be transformed. Okay, I'm up for that. But that's intimidating. Like, that's huge. You know, you expect that the heavens are going to open and you're going to hear, you know, I'm going to become all of a sudden stronger and like, like the tidy bowl man strong and just like, and Jesus, you know, like I'm going to be transformed before this sharing moment ever happens. But that's not, 
what we see here. Right? That's not what we're reading about in Scripture that we're going to dive into in a second. And that's not what we looked at last week. That's not what it's like. God wants to just take a normal day and a normal person and demonstrate his love through that. They were just going to prayer. They weren't going to prayer and realized that they were, you know, hovering three feet above the ground because the Spirit was so strong upon them that they, you know, that you don't read any of that. They were just going to prayer and the dude asking for money, they, they, they felt like they should ask him to stand and be healed, and he was. There wasn't this big mystical thing. You read this throughout Scripture. It's consistent with the character of God that he just wants to use what you have and who you are. Moses, in the Old Testament, used a staff as a shepherd. And when he was too nervous to be used by God, God said, well, what's, what's that you have in your hand? And he said, well, I have a staff. He said, use that to show my power. David, the guy who writes most of the Psalms, and you read a bunch in the middle of your Bible about King David. He was a shepherd boy. He slayed this giant. You know, big story, stone forehead, dead, cut off his head, held it up. Awesome part of the story you don't hear a lot about. But anyway, uh, so, you know, here's David. He kills Goliath. It's his kid's story we tell. It's a real happy kid's story, right? Yay! Okay, it's time for bed. I'm holding a head. Oh, okay, I shouldn't have told that part of the kid's story. That's why it's not in the kid's Bible. But anyway, uh, so David was a shepherd again, and he fought off wild animals and fields. He was, like, strong for battle. So how did God use him? Strong and mighty in battle. He slayed his ten thousands. It's interesting to see Peter is a fisherman. And what does Jesus do? Turns, in, turns him from a, a literal fisherman into a fisher of men. It's what God does. He takes what we do, who we are, in our natural context, and his power works through us to do the supernatural things that are like, wow, this is extraordinary. If I could use what I already have, the strengths and gifts I already have, God can take those and make them amazing. So the most genuine way to share how Jesus has impacted your life, to be a witness, if you will, is his life happens. It's just Live life open. Today, we're going to see Peter and John share their experience with Jesus and how it impacted their life and the lives of others at that time. Peter and John are not sharing as a plan. They didn't wake up that day. We don't see this in the text. We don't see Luke, the author, saying, that morning we gathered and we developed a strategic plan for the day. We were going to heal three people. We were going to save a hundred. We were going to share Jesus with this many. And we developed a system and a code. We don't see any strategic plan like that. It's an ordinary day. And if opportunity presents itself, they're going to make Jesus known. And this is when they have the opportunity to heal someone who has been lame for 40 years. And here's what happens after they are sharing how and why this happened. Acts 4, verse 1. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests 
the captain of the temple guard and some of the Sadducees. So basically the religious rulers of that day. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Okay, so they didn't develop a strategic plan in the morning, but those are great numbers, right? Like every number is a person, every number has a name. They're like counting these guys. They're going, wow, 3,000 made a decision to follow Jesus just a few days earlier, and another two were added to the number. Just men alone. Thought number one today, sharing Jesus becomes a habit. Sharing Jesus becomes a habit. Since Acts 2, when Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, he's made a habit of sharing Jesus. And not just sharing, you know, Jesus is the Son of God. He says, Jesus, whom you crucified, he's very good at pointing that out to the religious rulers, uh, was the Son of God. He died. He rose again three days later, just as he predicted, and just as the Old Testament, the Bible, the religious papers of that day that they all knew, he said, hey, just as everything predicted, he rose three days later and ascended into heaven. And therefore, he conquered death, hell, and the grave. You and I have the opportunity to have eternal life. Put your faith in Jesus. So Peter's sharing this. Thousands of people are choosing to follow. He's sharing a message that we can have eternal life. This week, I was at a Chamber of Commerce meeting. And uh, it was a luncheon, and we were going around the room with the 30-some people there and sharing, like, a little intro, 30-second spiel of who we are, what we do, you know. So everybody at my table, we started, my table started. And so uh, we had the, like, cancer society there and, and some insurance people and, like, some, like, long-term care people and then the person before me was had like this serum you could put on your skin and look young forever and uh you know so there's all these different people business owners at the table and uh, and then it got to me but all these things dealt with like making your life better longer looking young forever so when it got to me i just always make something up different right every time and so it gets to me and i'm like often i'll just throw it out there to mix up the room to put pressure on other people i'll just say my name is Thaddeus Edgar Huff. I'll just throw the full name out there, and they're like, oh, what? Like, I have to do my middle name? People just feel the pressure. Um, and, and so I just so my name is Thaddeus Edgar Huff, and I'm the pastor of Open Life. We meet at Bonnie Lake High School and Sumner Middle School. And what we're all about is uh, eternal life. Like, if you want eternal life, come to Open Life. You know, you just throw something random out like that, and they're like, you know, your skin will still look good on the other side. So come for it, you know, and you just, and then everybody laughs, and then they try to, now everybody's trying to work, like, life in, you know, it's hilarious to listen to them the rest of the time, and, and then some people say their middle name, they're like, you know, Pondexter, and they get all timid, and you're like, sorry, dude, I really shouldn't have made you do that, but uh, it was fun, we love that, but I couldn't joke around about that, right, or, or say that if this weren't true, if the, these moments in scripture didn't happen, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, I couldn't put out their eternal life as an option. But it is an option. 
eternal life is real. It's funny. It's a joke. They're like, eternal life. And then they're like, really? And you're like, absolutely, dude. If you put your faith in Jesus, he promises life now abundantly and life eternally. It's that simple. It's pretty simple. The religious leaders wanted Peter not to share that message. They wanted him to be silent because if that was really the son of God, they just killed him. <laughs> They're like, oops, that was the son of God. Our bad. Right? So they were trying to silence Peter and John. This message was a threat to their income, their rule, their authority. But this is what's amazing. Even in the midst of that opposition, they shared Jesus over and over. That's just kind of, they just naturally, well, you see this man walking? Well, it's because of Jesus. They just immediately turn any opportunity into sharing Jesus. It had become a habit. Sharing Jesus was just so natural to them. And it makes me think, man, are you sharing Jesus? Are you in the habit of sharing Jesus? And how natural is that for you? Because I think the secret to this habit is exposure. It's, it's that simple. Yeah, on Sundays, you come, you hear a message, and hopefully you're inspired to go do something with it. But what if daily you spent time? What if you downloaded the Bible app U version and you began to start a reading plan and, and track along and check off the box and pray a little more. What would it look like if you began to daily expose yourself to Jesus? Well, it's kind of like that would be your illustration. I was thinking, you know, if guys are just all about sports and they watch sports a lot, what are they going to use as an illustration if something happens in life? They're going to, well, it's like this sport, right? <laughs> They'll just share whatever their favorite sport is. And Jaden will use soccer as illustrations, you know. Um, you know, somebody will use college basketball as a pro football, tennis. No, who does that? Steve would do that, right? Where are you? You're out there. So, there you are. Yeah, so it's like, you know, who would do that? You know, you kind of just, there are people, we've all got our own little niche, right? Or I love, I'm visually entertained, so I love movies. So natural illustration for me are movies. I will default to movies. I'm going to use one later today in this message. I'm going to reference one. But it's just that reality of I, I love a good movie. I could just check out for an hour and a half, two hours, just like that's relaxation to me. And so sometimes we got, you know, those are our default illustrations. Well, if you expose yourself regularly to Scripture, if you're reading it, if you're praying, you know what you're going to use as an illustration? It's just Jesus is going to come out of you. It feeds the Holy Spirit in you, and you just quickly, when you have an opportunity, and naturally, you could just share Jesus. It won't be weird. It won't be clunky. It won't be manufactured. Let's see how it happens here. We continue. Verse 5 of Acts 4. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Kind of an intimidating crowd, right? All the professors, all the teachers, everyone got together. Annas the high priest was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples 
and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? As if they're mad that a 40-year-old is praising God, right? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Thought number two, the Holy Spirit gives us the right words. Interesting, it's not that big of a deal. But yet, Luke, when he was writing this, did indicate in verse 8, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. The religious leaders wanted to know by what power, and it says they demanded. So you got to think the tone is down and authoritative and harsh and right they're demanding but you got to imagine the scene all of them are there and peter asks them back well okay what's the real question do you want to know how a crippled man walked or do you really want to know how we've done this let me share jesus with you right what's his habit He's defaulting to turning this question into an oper- another opportunity to share about Jesus, his crucifixion, his resurrection. That's just became how he was wired. It's not a huge deal, and I love that. Peter's setting up a share Jesus moment, but more than that, it's so simple. The Holy Spirit was with Peter to do what? Just ask a question. Right again, we don't see the heavens open up. There's not a tornado and strong winds and everybody bows to their knee. No flight attendant whose arm is healed and everybody falls to their face and begins weeping for Jesus. That doesn't happen. It's simply like, so what's your real question? That's the Holy Spirit? Really? Really? Sometimes we can't disqualify normal, routine. Simple as being divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're like, well, my life is just so normal. I mean, God must not be using me. Or maybe he's really using you because your life is normal. And you can demonstrate what it is to follow Jesus normally. We can trust to be led by the Holy Spirit in our approach, just as Peter was here. The Holy Spirit guided them to unveil Jesus in a way that would resonate with those who were really asking the question. So we continue. Verse 10 says, Let me clearly state, and it's Peter talking, Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel. So now he's like, Everybody in the room, listen up. He was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Imagine the squirming in the room there. He called them out right in front of all the thems. The pressure's on. Like he's just getting it out on the table, hiding nothing here. You got us in this mess. And I'm just sharing about the mess, right? So that's Peter's being quite bold. Verse 11. Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected 
has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Thought number three, we're saved by Jesus. We're saved by Jesus. Interesting thought there because honestly, being saved by Jesus isn't necessarily what we first go after, is it? I mean, some of us do. When I came to church at the age of 21, I hit rock bottom, and I needed saved, and I knew it at that moment. But a lot of us explore Jesus. In fact, some of us would choose to follow Jesus kind of as an insurance plan for eternal life, right? Because that guy was at the Chamber of Commerce meeting and said, eternal life, I could get it if I go. So I came to open life, so now did I do it? Did I, did I sign the right insurance papers, right? It's kind of that deal is, is this the way to get the insurance for maybe things will be okay with me and God if the end hits? If that earthquake everybody freaks out about comes. If Mount Rainier blows up and I live in Ording or Sumner, right? Am I going to make? You're not going to make it out. It's just enjoy it. Make quick cup of coffee. Keurig cup of coffee. Enjoy it as it comes, right? And just, ah, here comes Jesus. So if, choose to follow quick, right? Choose to follow Jesus quick. What's really important in that moment? <laughs> Coffee. I just totally said what's really. I just chose, uh-oh, take that out of the recording, Jaden. I didn't choose coffee before Jesus, or did I just do that? Okay, moving on. We'll pretend I never said that. Anybody have some coffee? <laughs> uh, God's intent here, God's intent here is not that we come to church so that we can avoid his wrath. God's intent is the same as it was clear back at the beginning of your Bible. If you've ever tried to read straight through the Bible and you started in Genesis 1 because you didn't necessarily have a Bible reading plan, you may have gotten a little past Genesis 6 or 7 or whatever, right? But you're reading at the beginning. What do you see? You see God walking with Adam, having a relationship with Adam. In the cool of the day, they would walk and talk. Well, goodness. God's trying to restore that relationship through his son, Jesus. He doesn't want us to come for an insurance plan. He doesn't want us to come because we feel like if I don't, he might be mad at me this week. He wants us to come regularly so that we can hear and learn about his plan of love for us and the world around us. He wants relationship with us daily. That's God's plan. He wants to just be there so when there is a moment, yeah, he can just like, Let's turn this into a cool moment for my glory. God wants relationship, and we tend not to feel the need for being saved and understand this whole, we're like, good teacher, he's a good prophet, Jesus was, but is he Lord? Yes, he's Lord, and he came to save all who were lost, and we're all lost without him. Peter says we must be saved. And sometimes it takes longer to convince us that we're lost and we need saved than it does for us to finally go, oh, okay, now I'm going to learn about Jesus. I'm going to choose to follow him. Acts 4.13 continues, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. 
Makes me feel better, right? They also recognized that them as men who had been with Jesus. Really? But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chambers and conferred among themselves. You know what? This is a really cool picture of what the church should look like. Bold, normal people. Right? These are just people who have been with Jesus. They've chosen to follow Jesus. They're normal, yet have a little boldness. And they hang out with other people who they've impacted. The guy who was healed is hanging out there right in the middle of the crowd. Isn't that what church should be like? We come in, we see lives whom we've invited and who've been impacted by Jesus sitting amongst us, and we celebrate God together, and we worship him, and we're pumped because my neighbor now knows Jesus. My fellow teacher now knows Jesus. My classmate now knows Jesus. That's the gospel. The gospel demonstration that demands an explanation is the proof that's around us because we are inviters. And we see other people encounter the powerful love of Jesus and it changes their life for the better. So I have three questions to land this thing today. The question number one, do people recognize Jesus in you? Do people recognize Jesus in you? Because that's what they said about Peter and John. They could see that they had been with Jesus. Well, what made them see that? They recognized it. They also knew that they had no special training. Was it the way they talked? Did they not shave like everybody else? What was this? How could they tell they had no special training? I heard an author, Alan Hirsch actually, say that if you want to stop a gospel movement, if you want to absolutely slow it down and keep the gospel from spreading, only let people share it that go get a formal education concerning it. I was like, and he said that amongst a bunch of college professors, and they were like, oh. <laughs> it was like all the teachers of the law were in the room when he said that, right? And he was just like, hey, here's the deal. People share, need to share where they're at with Jesus the moment they follow Jesus, not after they've learned everything about the Bible. Just share where you're at. Allow God to use your inadequacy, because that was powerful for even the religious rulers of the day. Wait, these guys are inadequate to share what they're doing. How are they this bold when they don't have the education? It wasn't that they had special power, but they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what happened. The advocate was there with them, just as Jesus promised. If we will regularly spend time with Jesus, if we'll have the habit of spending time with Jesus. It'll just come right out of our life as well. The more time you spend with Jesus personally, the more people will recognize him in you. Verse 16 continues, what should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everyone in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them 
never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Isn't it great when you can answer a question with a question? Like this is total politics right here, Bible politics. <laughs> well, what do you think? Well, I'm asking you what you think. Well, what do you think? Right? It's this whole, man, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. Everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years years. Question number two, who does God want you to obey? Who does God want you to obey? In a PC world, we are to obey God first and foremost. <laughs> and we're in an interesting world. There are all kinds of weird decisions being made around us that are challenging our faith. And we have to obey Obey God or man. We need discernment like no other time in history. I'm sure they were saying the same thing then, right? But you're just like, oh my word, what do I do? The pressure will come, but we must obey God. We must obey God. We need to choose obedience. And we need to choose obedience to God. Here's the deal. You know, we need right perspective. When it comes to sharing, we need right perspective of who we are in a courtroom. We're called to be witnesses. We're on the stand as witnesses. We're not called to be the attorney or the prosecutor, right? We're not the one demanding or asking or defending. We're simply the one saying, hey, uh, Jesus changed my life when I was 21 years old and I was an alcoholic. I made a decision to follow Jesus in a, in a coliseum in Salt Lake City. Uh, walked out from there. The grass was greener. The air smelt good, which is weird for Salt Lake City. And, uh, you know, there's really brown grass. How was it greener? It was somehow greener. The sky was bluer. You know, and you're just like, and my life was changed. I stopped. I didn't, I like was not ever drunk again after that moment. Uh, don't know what to tell you. But my life was transformed, and now I'm going to learn about what exactly just happened. And that's where I was, right? So it's like I can share my experience. Uh, I can witness about how life is more full now than it was then, even though I was living what some would call the dream then. God's done incredible things in me. And I can share that as a witness. I'm not going to be able to force you as a jury to make the right decision. That's not my role. I'm just to testify. I'm just to share. We need to view our role correctly. I want to conclude by looking at the final passage here, which just it shocks me. We skip to verse 29 in Acts 4, and it says this. Now, O Lord, they've been let out. They've been let go, right? And they gather with the disciples and begin to pray. It says, now, O Lord, hear their threats. Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. What? Give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, 
the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Question three, what do you need to be praying for? You got to look at this. These guys were filled with the Holy Spirit, led 3,000 people to Jesus, started sharing everything they had with one another, heal a guy who's been lame for 40 years. He's praising God. They just witnessed to all the religious people who crucified Jesus, told them they crucified Jesus, and that they should follow Jesus. And all they were were threatened and let go. And what do they pray for? Boldness? Are you kidding me? They were bold. They were the most bold people I can imagine. They could have been killed, stoned to death, beaten to death. And yet they were just like, Jesus did this. That's boldness. But yet they prayed for more boldness. The power to heal for miracles. Movie reference. We watched War Room this week. Dana and I did. Had never seen that. Haven't emptied a closet in our house yet. Spoiler alert. But that movie was pretty powerful in the way they prayed. And that they fought their battles in prayer before they fought their battles in the natural. That's pretty convicting. Very convicting. And we're supposed to fight our battles in prayer. What are we praying for and how boldly are we praying? Because sometimes you go, well, I know Jesus, so I don't need to pray bold prayers anymore about that. But you know what? These guys were bold and they prayed for boldness. Maybe our prayers should change. Maybe if anything today, we walk out from here. Yeah, knowing we need to share Jesus, that's your action point today is share Jesus. But maybe our prayers are different that give us the understanding of how to share. I'm challenged by this text. I'm challenged by the life of Peter and John. I want to pray bigger prayers. I want to pray more brave prayers. I want to share Jesus more boldly. And uh, I hope that you would want the same. Here's a challenge for you. As we wrap up, I'm going to pray for you. You've got that connection card that you've hopefully filled out during the course of our time together. With your, at least your email. But if you put your address on there, I'm send you a gift. So you don't want to forget to do that. Uh, but on the back of that, there's an opportunity to respond however you want. But maybe you just want to jot both on your note sheet and there a couple of people you just feel God would want you to share Jesus with. You know there's been some opportunities and they'll probably present themselves again and you're like, man, this person and this person, I just want them to know and be impacted by the reality of Jesus, freedom in Jesus, eternal life in Jesus, and this could be powerful if we pray for them. Because this is what I'll promise. We'll pray for them this week. By name, jot them down so that you have that even further support yeah Jesus is at the right hand of God in heaven so his prayers matter more right <laughs> honestly but we'll pray too in agreement with you so that God can give you you just sense that wind in your sail and boldness I'm going to pray and if you want prayer today we're going to have a they're going to sing a song and you can just kind of sit here and worship during it and then Ed's going to come and close and dismiss us and 
after that moment, if you would like prayer, we'll have a couple people down here and uh, we would love to pray with you today. If you just need something, if you came through the door and you're like, man, if I could just agree with prayer for this in my life, I think something could be transformed. We, we want to do that with you as well. So God, I thank you for the opportunity you have for us to come here, rent this school and talk about Jesus. I pray that you would bless this school. I pray that your presence would be felt in this school. How sick would that be if somebody comes to lunch and they're like, something about this room. And it's your spirit moving. God, I pray for boldness for students to share their faith this week. Pray for boldness for them to understand your love and embrace it this week. I pray for us who might be in a commute or on a train or or in a workplace this week to have an understanding of a moment that if it presents itself that we could just insert Jesus because we're exposing ourselves to you daily in prayer and in the word. God, I pray that you would give us insight as to how to share, but yet boldness when we do, that we would not back down in a world that would want us to be quiet, that would want to say, don't share, don't intrude my space, my freedom. But yet, God, that we would share and what we share would be just seasoned incredibly with grace and love and mercy. Some in this room probably have yet to make a decision to follow you. Maybe they see you as a harsh God versus a loving God. You're a loving God. You want people to know your love and have a relationship with you. So I pray that you would reveal yourself to them and that maybe even today would be their day where they say, Jesus, I choose to follow you because I understand now you love me. You want to bring me out and heal me and transform me and give me boldness to go and impact the world I live in. Raise us up, God, to be sharers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.